Hey folks, this is Dr. Rob, and welcome to Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction, a podcast brought to you by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs and hosted by me and my sidekick, Tammy. Say hi, Tammy. Hi, Dr. Rob. Thank you. Our show provides useful answers to your most asked questions about cheating, betrayal, and addiction. Let's get started. Uh, Dr. Rob, how to be more honest in recovery when anxiety is the core issue which which leads to relapse. I'm so used to being anxious, being from an Asian family that it's needed for me to do stuff at the same time. It's very debilitating. Well, there's a couple of things. I mean, if I'm not sure what uh, what race or ethnicity has to do with this, um, although because I think there are anxious people in all kinds of families, um, you know, whatever their background is. But I, I do think that um, if anxiety is becoming uh, is taking away from your life, recovery or not, that it might be worth seeing a psychiatrist or getting some guidance from a professional. You know, I know that I've had some mental health issues. I, I would not be able to be as um, functional, really, in many ways in my life were not on medication. And for me, if there's something I can help and, it's, and as long as I'm still sober using it, no problem. And I'm interested in what's going to make me well, not what other people's opinions are about medication or whatever. So certainly with anxiety, it is a very legitimate mental health disorder that should be, you should take a look at. Um, the only other thing I want to say about anxiety is the only thing that I have learned about it personally, because I've been through this over and over again, and it's like teaching yourself the same lesson, which is for me, um, doing the thing I'm anxious about, let's say going to dinner with someone I don't like, is never as hard as thinking about it. The idea of, well, I get anxious when I'm going to have to do something or engage something or say like, oh my God, how am I going to say that? Or what's going to happen when I get there? Or I get anxious about things that are going to happen. The truth is when they're happening, they're never as hard as they are when I'm thinking about them. So I would suggest one of the things to work on is just doing doing more, thinking less, because the more you think about you want to do something, the more anxious you're going to get. Um, was there a trying question? Nope, I'm done. No, so, and I, I think getting professional help, but from someone who understands addiction, because you want the right, right professional to evaluate you, but, you know, I think that that's a, a really good thing, you know, and um, what I've learned in, in recovery is everything is temporary. So like Dr. Rob was sharing, being anxious about going out to dinner with the person, you know, well, you go out to dinner with the person and then that's done. So, so it's one of those things where, you know, a lot of things, if I'm doing some grounding work, I can manage, I can take my anxiety down a couple notches and that gives me enough bandwidth to be able to do things differently, but absolutely getting tested. I can't imagine how much anxiety you have about the relapsing too, that I have a feeling um, adds to your guilt and shame and everything else and some anxiety. So um, so getting off that merry-go-round would be, um, uh, I think, useful. We have a work group starting. It's not treatment or therapy, but we have a work group that starts on Wednesday, September 1st. That is the Sex and Porn Addiction 101 Level 1. That's been a really solid um, component for, for guys to get a foundation, understand what a three-circle plan is. If you need your Three circle plan tweaked a little bit because it's not completely working for you, but they're they're getting some really good information. So check that out on seekingintegrity.com. So 
Okay, next question. We, uh, so it's a male essay and a female partner had discovery 10 months ago. My essay and I both started 12 step groups and seeing a CSAT four months later. So six months ago now, we have been through the formal disclosure impact letter and amends and I have just learned the formal disclosure was not complete and likely not accurate in many ways. My essay says he's been sexually sober since discovery 10 months ago. I put in a boundary of no contact due to dishonesty. Any suggestion of where to go from here? Mm. Um, there's a lot there. So Tammy, feel free to jump in. Um, it sounds like they've done a lot of good work. I will say that, but then uh, it's very disappointing we have this happen certainly in treatment where somebody left and kept a secret or you know they do this they're not entirely honest with a spouse at these moments which are really key to moving forward in recovery like letting it go with your spouse or being completely honest with a treatment group so um he may be sexually sober he or she but but this is but i wouldn't be safe like i wouldn't feel safe and if the goal is to build trust and safety and intimacy and you're finding out that there's been lying when at a moment when you were most expecting the truth um this is not good and it's like starting all the way at the beginning i don't exactly know what it means by the formal disclosure is not complete and likely not accurate because I do know that many spouses are fearful that what they heard isn't true, and that's why we do poly. They do poly they want polygraphs. What do you think that means, Tammy? Oh, there's new behaviors. Oh, new behaviors. Oh, yeah. Well, then there's that. Um, this I, well, unfortunately ahead, feels like a not well done formal disclosure, and so then what often unfortunately happens is a second disclosure, you know, and um, uh, someone needing to be you know, painfully honest. One of the things, and and it keeps happening, it's like addicts, we just don't get it. It's like they can hear a hundred times, don't hold back truths, thinking that, well, if she doesn't find out this, it's gonna be okay. Cause if she finds out this, it's gonna be the end. Cause look what happens, you know, the, it always gets found out. It like, it always, you are not going to be the exception where your big secret doesn't get found out. And besides you still know, that deep secret, just like Dr. Rob was talking about earlier. It's like, you still know that you're a liar and a cheat and everything else. So and you're hanging on to something. So well, I guess one of my challenges is no contact. Um, I don't know how you move forward if there isn't some form of contact. So so I would like to know what you're, you've got two CSATs. So I, you know, I think having the conversation, the four of you of like, here's where we're at, here's the problems, you know, and how do we move forward in a productive way from this? And, you know, and, uh, and is your husband, the SA willing, you know, willing to step into truthfulness, I guess, um, that's one aspect. And we have an amazing treatment program where, you know, we work really hard at getting to those underlying issues. What, why is he keeping those secret? What's behind all of that? So um, those are my, my thoughts at the moment. Yeah, I was thinking this is a treatment case too, Tammy, because this is a marriage that is not in a good place and they really need to get down to the truth and clarity. And I'm not sure that that's happening yet. Um, I do, you know, what I'm curious about is I just learned something new and discovery was 10 months ago. So, and I don't see a, dis oh, okay, we've been through formal disclosure. I don't know how long ago that was, but um, 
what it feels like to me is like when it says there's some new behavior, it sounds like it's something that's been going on all along, but it was considered to be acting out. And I, I, I do agree. I think you guys got to really sit and have a conversation um, about what these boundaries are. Um, but I agree with Tammy. If you can't sit and meet for coffee or somewhere, you probably need a professional to sit down with the two of you. Um, and also, I don't know if this is here or not, but Tammy, you know, I've had some consultations with couples um, and you guys know I do consultations um, whenever they're called for. Tammy, uh, it arranges a couple hours for me online with folks. Um, but I, when I, a lot of times when I do consultations, um, I have a, a, a spouse who says, you know, if he ever does this again, I'm leaving or I'm not going to speak to them again for a long period of time. And sometimes I see spouses, partners, married people who have been living apart for, let's say, six months or more. And I think at a certain point, even with mistakes and challenges and doing it imperfectly, you have to figure out whether you're in or out. Because especially as a spouse, you know, you're forever going to be doubting. You're always going to find a little, I mean, it's never really going to end for you. It's a nightmare. So uh, gauging whether you're going to stay with us or not based on what happens this week or next week, or, you know, I don't think it's going to be as useful as having a larger picture of it. And it does sort of sound like that's in there too. It, um, the other thing I was going to say is that once couples start rounding a year, if I don't see them meaningfully moving toward uh, living again, living again together and re-engaging, uh, it doesn't seem as much to me like they're going to. And I've had a lot of couples on the, like, oh, well, we've been separated for a year and a half, but we really want to talk about getting together. Well, why aren't you doing anything about it? A year and a half is a long time. So anyway, Tammy? Well, and I was thinking that too, with a therapeutic just uh, uh, separation, like there's a plan. It isn't just like we're separated. So, 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 I would want to know what what are you looking for? How can you move forward? What's the checklist of things that you need to see in order to have contact in a in a in a different way to move you know back together again? Um, because I too, I mean, I've heard you know a couple of years being separated, and I'm like, so you're just you're you know you're living separate lives, but you're still together, but you're not. And so it's that in between, and nothing's really happening to move the relationship forward. So it's kind of really stuck. So I would highly encourage you. My first thought is have your two CSATs and the two of you and have the, the conversation of here's where we're at. What do we need to do? Because they know Dr. Rob does do expert consultations. They're two hours. I'm happy to tell you more about that. Email me, Tammy, T-A-M-I at seekingintegrity.com. So, okay. My essay partner told me almost immediately that we, after we had sex the other day that he had masturbated earlier after I asked him about looking suspicious on his phone and he was texting his fellowship friend. Can I just and stop in, there for one second? Yeah, yeah. I hate when addicts lie about the, like, can't you just say you're texting someone from work or do you have to say you're texting someone from a 12-step program? That's That makes us all look bad. Anyway, yes. sorry, I had to throw that in there. But, but it gives that... But you know, it's I'm I'm right. I'm doing good recovery work. The moral high ground. Yeah. So um, he was texting with his fellowship friend, and in this admission, he told me that he had also done the same thing without finishing, which made it okay. A month before that, he had been lying to me all throughout that time. I was upset, but I was relieved that he was honest. I've been begging for disclosure, and he continues to blame his therapist for. It. Uh, it being too early to do that. D-Day was on my birthday, May 10th this year. I'm so sorry. He continues to ask me to have sex 
amongst these scattered disclosures. And it is very hard to say no when I don't feel safe and have any sense of things I don't know. It, I have been good about saying no, but I don't want to live in the disclosureless, distorted reality. <sighs> I'm okay, taking a so breath. Take two, because I'm going to run to the restroom and I want you to start because these you get calls like this every single day. Um, and I feel terrible for this person. And I, I want my turn. I can hear you, Tammy. Yes, well, yes. I'll be right back. But you'll be muted. Okay. Thank you. It's a so, good question. Yes. Yes, <laughs> yes. Okay, so I, so first of all, I you have my deepest empathy of the disclosure on your birthday, and um, and, and I'm so sorry. And you know his continued behavior and continued lying, um, but that also shows me that he's not ready for disclosure. And you, you, what he says, his therapist says, you know, I never believe it when the addict is saying, "Oh, my therapist says I'm not ready for disclosure yet." Call his therapist and say, you know, what are you, what is the plan? If you have, I hope, a pro-dependent aligned therapist, your therapist and his therapist can have the conversation. Like, what is the plan? And I think that that's fair. But this is, a, a, the, your husband, I'm sorry, is not, um, in my opinion, ready. I mean, if he's still lying and he's still acting out and he's still doing all of this stuff, you're going to get the next disclosure and then the next disclosure and then the next one. So, you know, I hear about those, the, the people that have had, this is our fifth disclosure and he hasn't stopped the behavior. So what is it going to take? Um, and, and with all due respect, and I know May was, uh, you know, terribly difficult and it feels like forever ago, but what is he, what has he been doing since May to be on a different journey? And yes, I hear that he's got a fellowship friend. Great, but if that's all he's doing is texting and masturbating with you know with his fellowship friend, you know what's his qualified therapist? And it better. I hope this person really understands sex addiction. You know how many meetings a, a week is he going to? Ideally, one a day. Is he talking to his sponsor every day? What is he doing? What step is he on? You know, like that's the kind of stuff that you know. Has he been in our um, work groups? You know, the that's the foundation pieces. What is his three circle plan? You should know what it is, you know? So it's it's one of those things where I suspect, you know, he's just going, oh, I'm doing really good. We should have sex. And um, he's not really doing that good. But you getting a disclosure before he's ready to be honest, unfortunately, it'll just be the, you know, you know, disclosure, disclosure, disclosure cycle. Well, I just, um, thanks for talking about staggered disclosure, because I think that's one of the greatest spouse's nightmares is I can just never get to the truth. Like, just let me know what's going on and don't let me run into something I wasn't expecting. So I agree that that's a nightmare. And I don't think the addicts realize how much that hurts, because we are at the other end saying, well, as long as they don't find this out, as long as they don't find that out, and we think we're actually doing ourselves, well, we think we're doing you a favor by not letting you know the worst parts, but actually we're trying to get ourselves off the hook by not having to tell you anything, but either way, it's a nightmare for you. And so when you say that, um, what did you say there? You said uh, he'd done the same oh, without finishing. Okay. Without finishing does not make it okay. That's like, I've heard from sex workers. I've heard from guys who went to sex workers or prostitutes and they said, it's not sex as long as I don't kiss them, you know, and stuff like that. And it's like, you don't get to make arbitrary rules about whether your orgasm or not means you had sex or you didn't. That's like what you do in ninth grade. Okay. So this is a big lie, what he's saying to himself or what he's trying to tell you. I would not be that relieved that he was honest, what, a month 
after whatever he did. And I would wonder why he had felt he had to be honest a month after as opposed to a few days later. I don't feel, so just to say it from a felt sense, I don't like your letter. It makes me feel really uncomfortable and like you were not safe. Um, May 10th, June, July, you know, I have to count on my fingers, June, July, August. Okay, that's over three months. Why don't you have a date for disclosure? Um, and what is the therapist? I don't know how much you said to me. I, I think I heard you, but and how much is the, have you been involved with a therapist? Have you visited the therapist? Have you called the therapist? Have you heard your side of the story? This isn't like um, we are we addiction therapists are not doing like deep, uh, deep uh, psychiatric uh, analytic work where, where no one can know anything except us and the client. You're welcome to call us and say, as long as, and say, I'm worried that my spouse is doing this. I didn't hear about that. Even if we don't have a, we don't have a release to talk to you, you or your spouse hasn't given us ability to talk, you can still call us and leave messages. And I would say if there's an addict addiction, specialist, especially CSAT, who says bad things about you because you're calling us once in a while, they don't understand that you are a great reporter and, and supporter of this situation. I, you can't get all into our therapy, but you can let us know what you're worried about and what you're scared about. And so it, when you say uh, you don't feel safe, you're having to wait for disclosure, he says his therapist is, wants to take longer, how do you know? I mean, how do you know that he, nine times out of 10, he wants to take longer and the therapist is saying, how come you haven't gotten to this? So I think a, a more open conversation with him and his therapist and getting more information about how to move this forward, because three months is too long, in my opinion, to do Well, but my flip side of it was, but he's still lying. So until he's well, there's like, that. Stopped the, yeah, if he hasn't stopped the behavior and then it's just going to be the, so to me, it's like he's, he I don't think he's done enough to have a foundation of recovery so that he's stopping that because he's I mean, he's still masturbating and lying about it right you know and then having sex with her so so to me it, it's like back up the train what what is the CSAT doing with your husband and what else is he doing to work on his recovery and then let's plan the disclosure so that it isn't you know, 12 disclosures later, because he's still lying and cheating and doing all these things. And so I want to put out a, um, uh, a thought for the room, just for people to think about nobody wants to think about this. But if your partner has been acting out sexually, and you think it's going on, you don't know about it, or even if you do know about it, um, make sure they have been STD tested, make sure you have been STD tested. No spouse wants to think about, oh, he or she was out there not protecting themselves. But I got to tell you, I run a treatment center and I, and I often hear, you know, well, I, I knew all about COVID, but I, I mean, it was just that one time or, or it was only oral sex. So I can't get anything from oral sex like herpes, like HPV, like syphilis. So I, I want to take this little time out. Nobody wants to hear this. Um, but if you're not sure who your partner has been with and they lie to you, then I think it makes sense to make sure that you're protecting your health. And ladies, if you get HPV, you know, if we get it, we might get a wart. If you get it, you can get cervical cancer. So um, uh, I want everyone to be healthy. Nobody comes into treatment without getting an STD test um, while they're here and dealing with the feelings around that. And honestly, for you spouses, it's one of the most humiliating things that you have to do, but it does give you a really clear perspective on your relationship when you have to go get an STD test from a doctor. Um, anyway, Tammy, I just want to drop no, that I think a that's a great note in. Yeah, I think that that's really important. And even if you think, oh, it's just been porn, 
go get one anyway, you know, because half the time there's, I mean, it's lies and minimization. So, oh yeah, no, we're all good, you know? So uh, I think it's worth your health to get the test. And then, then if you find out it's negative, like that's useful information. But I also know that with those, like make sure you also know there's a time frame, and, you know, you might need to get tested six months later and things like that. So, so do your homework on those and know what you're, you're getting, but it's important to do So, Okay. Next question. I've been battling sex addiction and intimacy disorder for more than 20 years, even after consequences and ruined relationships, I continue. I even went to an inpatient treatment for sex addiction, came home and had an affair. The second affair with a coworker at my job, I'm losing my family, my job, my wife. The consequences this time are severe. I know I have to stop digging, but how do I stay positive when all my life has been hurting? I play victim very well. Well, that that whole thing is like an oxymoron because it's a it's a sort of the whole thing is kind of like I'm a sad victim. And then at the very end, the person says, oh, and I play victim. So um, it's just a little like it's a double little message. And you know what I'm saying, Tommy? It's like, mm -hmm. I've been battling and I've had consequences yeah, and yeah. there's a lot of, and no there's worse consequences, it's poor you know, me. So. And then, yeah. but I do play the victim. It's just like, okay, you don't have to be a therapist yeah. to read something into that. Yeah. But I do want to support you by saying, um, uh, I'll tell you the simplest of things, which is, you know, you have lost everything that's important to you. Um, maybe there was something missing from the process that you were in. And nine times out of 10, in my experience, you're so focused on yourself and your own issues that you're not giving anything to anyone else. And I know one of the things that I get, Tammy and I, do we talk about our programs here? Yes. Do we talk about, you know, uh, therapists and places to go see? Yes. Uh, do we talk about some of our workshops? Yes. Um, but we do sit here and well, we sit here a number of hours a week, advising, supporting and giving direction and at no cost and all the podcasts and everything. And while I am doing that, while I'm sitting here, hanging out with my friend Tammy and giving you guys feedback, I just feel like a great guy, not because I have the answers. It's nice <laughs> sometimes, but because I'm giving. And what I see here is someone who's put all the focus on themselves. And as a result, yeah, you can't stay positive about your life. You don't have a life other than ruined relationships and inpatient centers. So anyway, I, Tammy and I often are encouraging of service, and especially when people are feeling like this. And if you want to get positive, go do some things for other people who are struggling and you will feel more positive. Um, Tammy, maybe that's too simplistic. Well, no, I, I read the same thing. It's, um, you know, I've done this, and then I still had an affair and, and with a coworker and, you know, so, so for those of you that think you won't get caught and have an affair with a coworker, here's a case in point. We hear this all the time where people lose jobs, you know, I mean, and, and families and everything else. So you're losing your livelihood, you're losing everything. And for what? Um, and, and often the coworker is married and it's a whole mess on the other yes. side as well so so um so i concur with dr rob it's like what are you doing for your pro i'm sure you when you went to a treatment program they gave you an aftercare plan maybe dust that off look at what it says start doing those things you know i'm glad you're here i'm really glad you're here but um this is a webinar but you we have a drop-in group we had one for men today we have another one thursday and friday morning there's one sunday night those are you know those are great opportunities there's multiple um webinars throughout the week 
but those are just one component. What are you doing to get out of yourself um, uh, and do recovery and do life differently? So Dr. Rob, I mentioned earlier the work group that starts uh, sex and porn addiction 101 level one and people go, oh, I'm beyond that because I went to treatment. Not so much, no offense, but you know, not so much. If you're still struggling, if you're relapsing, but it's one of those where I would encourage you to get to the foundation pieces. What do you need to have on your inner circle? You didn't just go have an affair. You, like there was a plan and a process that started all that. So now the flip side of it is I'm living in recovery. I messed up my life really big time, a whole lot of ways. And, you know, there, there, there is a way out of it. So you have to be willing, you know, and we mentioned at the top of the webinar, if you're going off to treatment, what do you, the biggest thing is willingness to learn and not pretend like I know it all. And, you know, I've got this all figured out or I'm going to hide and lie about things. So, so I'm glad you're here. Um, there, you know, there are options to do things differently. So I wanted to add something because you had brought up the uh, coworker thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you and I have been doing various forms of this work for a long time. And to be honest, now more than any other time, I find people getting in trouble for hitting on people at work or having sex with people at work and all that. And we certainly have people coming into seeking integrity with those issues. But what they don't realize when they come to treatment, they certainly don't realize when they're doing it is that if they come from even a, a medium sized town, it's going to get in the newspaper. Um, someone's going to find out, you know, businessman investigated for blah, blah, blah. And then everyone in town knows. And then nobody wants their kids to go over to your house because you're that creep who is in the paper and then you get fired. Oh, and by the way, when it's in the paper, the three other women that you did it with find out. And then they all sue from five years ago, 10 years ago. I don't think I think so many men in my experience underestimate the power that they give away, women too, and they do act out at work, but much more often men, the power they give away, they give this person the keys to their life, you know, just because they want to pinch someone's butt and screw someone in, in a back office. Um, and yet, this is what we deal with every day. And it's so sad when people, oh, and by the way, Tammy, the licensed people, you know, you, you get how many doctors and optometrists you know have been with their nurses and their staff and they're in the same boat only they can lose a license because if you have sex with and a coworker, do. you can lose but you can get or and then there's malpractice so anyway i think crossing professional boundaries is one of the most challenging things that i enjoy working with actually i really really like working with those people um but in the workplace it's going to there's it's going to blow up i can just guarantee you it's going to blow up Anyway, Tammy, we've got time for just one more, maybe? Um, yeah, we'll see. Maybe one or two. So hi, Dr. Robin. Tammy, thanks for the time. I am one week into looking at myself in the mirror and acknowledging that I have an addiction problem, trying to sift through all the information and resources available online. I'm not religious at all. I certainly see the benefit of 12-step programs. Many seem to have a heavy religious message. Can you recommend a 12-step program? There are some like celebrate recovery is specifically religious, but a 12 step program is not allied with any sect denomination, religious organization, they have zero affiliation so if you go to a particular group, and they're talking religious 
they're spiritual. That's a whole different thing. And if you don't think you have a higher power, trust me, your addiction was your higher power because you did whatever it told you to do. And and we have to learn to do things differently. But um, but there are some specific uh, programs, like I said, Celebrate Recovery always comes to mind because that one is um, is a Christian focused um, group. But the rest of them, you know, it, it's higher power, God of your understanding, whatever um, whatever affiliation. But you're struggling, and there's help in twelve step. So go try S A S A S L A P A you know on um, the resource page on uh, sex and relationship healing dot It's up there. I typed yeah. it in. Oh, you did. Good for you. Did. It's one, and the yeah, twelve step programs that I yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. There's a whole bunch of you know, and and don't so, just go to one meeting. Go to a bunch of them of the same kind because they all have their own personality. So yeah, I wanted to just go the other way because I'm not religious, um, although I'm very spiritually connected, and um, and I can just tell you what God means to me, and this may help you uh, because that G word is certainly in there, and I think there's a reason for everyone to have that word in their literature. Um, first of all, I do not believe the 12-step programs are heavily religious. I have never, uh, I've been to some places and perhaps more uh, rural or conservative areas where people do bring a lot in, a lot of, uh, of religious tones into meetings. But if you start talking about real religions with names and stuff, you're gonna get kicked out of that meeting. They do refer, reference God, and I think that is a God of your own understanding. And to me, honestly, uh, to me, God is present when we are among other human beings seeking to heal. And that's to me when I'm at a 12-step meeting or in a therapy group or when I go to work and I'm sitting around with people and we're all trying to help other people, that's all. And you know what? When I sit with someone and I actually help them, like what could be more amazing than that? So I don't need as a um, someone who doesn't have that perspective to be going to church. I don't have to be. Uh, you know, praying to a particular or involved in a particular belief system um, to go to 12-step programs. Um, I do have to believe something. And for me, that is something's greater than me. And I grew, I truly believe that the power of people coming together to create healing is a much greater power than I am by myself. And that's enough. You know, I just got to believe that I'm not in charge <laughs> and that there's more to all of this than just me and what I want. So um, I really encourage you, one more thing is that we say in 12-step programs, take what you like and leave the rest. You know, there are certainly restaurants I go to and I love 90% of what they serve, but that other stuff, I just, usually it's bok choy. I just push it right to the side because I just don't get into bok choy. But, you know, I love the restaurants, but I, I don't eat that part. And there you can take in 99% of what's at the meetings and that 1% you don't like, don't pay attention to that part. Take the good. And it, yeah. Tammy, do you? Well, and there's all, I, I was thinking the exact same thing take what you need and leave the rest, you know, and that's true of what we do. I mean, everything. It's like, what is useful for me in today? Sometimes when I go to a meeting, there's, you know, there's a certain, there's a few that are personalities at the meetings. And, you know, like I want to do the physical eye roll and I just go, no, I'm going to have gratitude today. I'm, I'm just going to, what can I learn from that person? Sometimes it's patience for me. And that's always my big challenge, but, but I can always learn something. And as long as I'm willing, I can, I can learn and grow. So that's what I want. Thank you for listening to this episode of Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction. If our words have led you to seek help, 
please reach out. You can always find us at www.seekingintegrity.com.